Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to The Dark Side of Your Emotional Needs, Mind and Body, How the Drive to Meet Your Mind-Body Needs Can Lead to Disaster. Now, I want to hit you with a strange thought. Would you eat another person? That's a horrible thought. I'm hoping that's a horrible thought for you. But what about if you were desperate enough? Sure, I know that cannibalism has been a a grim practice among some tribes and the odd, extremely odd, serial killer through the ages. But I'm not asking whether you would want to eat another person. I'm talking about if there were or seemed to be no other options available because you were starving. Perhaps you're all at sea for months on end or wandering the Andes after the miracle of surviving a plane crash and you have a physical need and you have to meet that physical need. All other needs become secondary to meeting that desperate need. And it's easy to say I'd never do that if you've never been in that situation. But our needs, of course, aren't just physical. This whole Dark Side of Your Emotional Needs series is, in a way, about cannibalism, metaphorically speaking, I hasten to add. When we feel there is no actual food, in inverted commas, we might be driven eventually to cannibalism, or we might need to learn what we can legitimately eat. We might need to learn to distinguish between real food and fake or poisonous food. Someone starving for attention may cannibalize a learning situation, for instance, by doing all the talking so that the teacher never gets a look in. They may monopolize and take attention away from the teacher and other people in the teaching situation, other students. By eating the wrong thing at the wrong time, they prevent another need from being fulfilled, the need for them and others to actually learn. Someone starving for some kind of recognition from their peers might behave badly as a way of at least gleaning some kind of status, even if it's the status of being contrary or difficult or threatening. Someone starving for the nutrition of intimacy might glean it from some poisonous source, such as an abuser or even a kidnapper. How we meet our needs determines what kind of a world we live in, especially when we're not even conscious about what need we're trying to meet. If you want to know human motivation, understand emotional problems and recognize how evil operates in the world, then you have to appreciate how the drive to meet our basic primal needs can fulfill or destroy us and other people. In this video, I want to look at how thwarted mind-body needs can play havoc with lives and how trying to meet a desperate physical need in the wrong way can send us spinning into catastrophe. But first I want to tell you about Dave, whose inability to meet a fundamental mind-body need had him balancing precariously on the edge of madness. Now Dave said to me when I first met him during our first session, I kept thinking that if God exists, then so too must the devil. And I kept sensing I was about to bump into him. I kept feeling his presence close by. Maybe at the top of the stairs or in the lonely late night stillness of a deserted underground station at the bottom of some 
godforsaken escalator. The weird thing was, I got to thinking, what would or should I say to him if our paths were to cross? I mean, what's the diabolical etiquette? And one day, there he was, as though waiting for me, a tall gentleman in a trilby hat. Dave wasn't psychotic in the normal sense. He was sleep-deprived. He was under enormous pressure. His house had become worth less than he was paying for it. He had taken on two jobs and would maybe catch 10 minutes of shut-eye here and there, as he put it. He had four dependent children, and eventually he crashed and couldn't work at all for six weeks, but not before begging his hallucinated Prince of Darkness, please, I just need to sleep, please let me sleep. Dave told me he'd actually seen into the evil eyes of his devil, though he knew now, and even partly at the time, that he was merely dreaming while he was awake, because he was so sleep-deprived. If your brain doesn't get enough REM sleep, in Dave's case, because he wasn't sleeping at all, then the dream mechanism will start to operate when you're awake. The night after I met the devil in the subway, I collapsed into bed, Dave told me, and I slept for 16 solid hours. I felt much better, but still drained. Now, I wasn't surprised Dave hadn't been eating properly either, but had been drinking up to 30 cups of strong coffee a day. Your body matters, and so does your mind, because they're the same matter. Your emotions directly affect your body, and it goes the other way too. Mental and physical health can't be disentangled. Dave's sleep starvation had a huge impact on his mental well-being, as I think it's fair to say. Dictatorships often use sleep deprivation or physical stress techniques, along with more direct interrogation, on members of their hapless populations. The mind is influenced through the body. Body and mind, mind and body. Depression is a physical stress condition as much as, or as I should say alongside, an emotional disorder. Its effects can be as much physical as emotional. Long-term stress causes inflammation in the body, which in turn contributes to all kinds of diseases and health conditions. Even the simple act of recalling a time when you were really angry can reduce the pumping efficiency of the heart. Perceived social rejection lights up the same brain regions as the experience of physical pain. On the other side of the coin, viewing a picture of someone you love lessens the impact of physical pain by 44%. And being in an emotionally supportive relationship helps both mental and physical health. So I could go on and on, but I won't, because you get the idea. What is good for the mind is good for the body. And what's good for the body is good for the mind. Having a terrible diet or eating foods your body is intolerant of can make you feel depressed and anxious. Conversely, physical exercise is protective against anxiety and a wonderful mood enhancer, especially when you do the exercise outdoors in nature. We all understand that attempting to assuage 
thirst through drinking engine oil is a terrible idea. Yet you'll have seen clients, perhaps, and maybe also loved ones as well, who attempt to do something very similar in other ways. So Michelle, whose video session you can watch inside uh, UPTV, had been eating a large chocolate bar every night for around a year. And I asked her if anything had happened a year ago, and she told me that it had. Her relationship had broken down. She wasn't slow to recognize that this was a, an unconscious attempt at meeting her need for intimacy, perhaps through distraction. Michelle had a relationship with chocolate. Many of us do have some kind of relationship with sugar or caffeine or drugs or chocolate. But these are stop gaps and they can pose as meeting our need when they don't at all. There's a very real part of all of us that knows full well that a relationship with alcohol or drugs or sweet pastry pies is no real substitute for a warm, loving romance or friendship or for a life rich in meaning or social connection. But in the moment, it can feel like some kind of a solution. Just as for a few seconds, eating cardboard may feel like a solution when we're starving hungry. But if there were real food to find and we knew how to gain it, why even think about eating the cardboard? When your client is um, abusing themselves in some way, whether through smoking, out their poor lungs or comfort eating, which has been shown not to provide comfort, or any other destructive behavior, it's vital to discover just what they really need and what that behavior is trying to blindly serve as a stopgap to meeting, what need it's trying to meet. And of course, help them meet that need or needs legitimately and it's a cliche to talk about self-medicating, but people do self-medicate. Whether through alcohol or barbiturates or cannabis, it's a common way to switch off, escape, or so it seems, and forget about the day and ab absorb oneself in the moment. But self-medication is always accompanied by self-delusion, convincing ourselves, consciously or unconsciously, that the medication has few side effects or that somehow we can cheat the future and dodge those side effects. So cliche as it may be, but self-medication is a fine analogy. Indeed, it's the side effects that are the problem. Side effects that can make it harder for people to meet their actual physical and emotional needs. When we seek in the long term to provide ourselves with energy through coffee instead of rest, to distract ourselves from problems through the oblivion of drugs or to resort to any form of self-harm rather than actually working to solve our problems, then the attempted solution becomes the enemy, not the comforting or encouraging friend it might masquerade as. And at the risk of sounding like a, a bearded, wind-chimey, hippie man sitting next to you in a Peruvian hippie sweat lodge, there's something else. We all need to work at being attuned to our bodies. If we don't, we can lose the capacity to interpret the signals from our own bodies. We need to listen to our bodies always. What is it you actually need? What is your body telling you you need right now? Each and every one of us has a natural current running through us called the ultradian rhythm. 
Every 90 to 120 minutes, we shift from left brain dominance to right brain. The shift takes about 20 minutes, and it usually makes us feel a little entranced or daydreamy, like we've switched off a bit. This is a time at work we might feel like just stopping for a chat, or maybe we need to just slow down for a little while, or shift from outward to inward focus, maybe to daydream a bit. But too many of us try to override the feeling with more coffee or a crafty cigarette. Okay, we silence the body's attempt to let us know what we need in that moment, or we just refuse to listen. It's during this shift that the immune system does its upkeep, the brain incorporates new learning, and the gut digests and absorbs nutrients. So it's an important shift that we all experience every 90 to 120 minutes for about 20 minutes. And it's little wonder that when we continue to swim against the tides of this natural rhythm, we start to feel broken and emotional. So sure, you can refuse to listen to your physical needs for a while and override them for a bit of time, but do it for long enough and you'll come to feel depleted on every level. So we really do need to not override these messages from the body, but listen to them. I see the shift in ultradian rhythm in my clients sometimes. It's as if a ray of light has altered their features when someone who, who's been very outward focused suddenly becomes sort of glassy-eyed and their breathing naturally changes and slows down. Their jaw slackens a little bit. Sometimes I even hear their tummy rumble as they start to digest food. And that's when they more easily travel inward. Hypnotizing someone is often a case of just letting the sails catch the breeze of this warm and wonderful natural shift in physical and mental focus. So we need to listen and work with, not against ourselves. And the other thing we need to consider, of course, is that human beings are not actually robots. People increasingly treat themselves as machines. We work through lunch, uh, sleep too little, eat junk on the run, skip the gym and prop up our flagging bodies with energy drinks and just see ourselves as mechanistic. But neglecting proper nutrition, proper sleep, rest and exercise long term leads to psychological problems and stress-induced illness and not just on the individual level. In unhealthy populations, collective emotions run riot, and that can lead us down some very dark paths. With too little exposure to natural light or poor nutrition and scant exercise, we start to feel second-rate, weak and sick in mind and body. But the very ways we try to meet our physical needs for activity, energy and relaxation can leave us with a cure much worse than the disease. I really must give up air quotes. We all need to stop cannibalizing ourselves in that way. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Terrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. Thank you.